We live in extraordinary times. And I want to suggest that God has chosen you. He's chosen us at this time to lead, to lead in your homes, to lead in your workplace, to lead in your schools, to live lives of faith, hope, and love that blesses those around us. This has always been the call on the people of God. And today we're beginning a new sermon series, looking at the book of Judges in the Old Testament. The people of God had come out of slavery in Egypt. They'd gone through the wilderness. We've just done a series on that. And they'd entered the promised land. But then we read over and over again this phrase, that the people did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They disobeyed. So the Lord hands them over to invading enemies that conquer the people. But then the Lord raises up judges. Now, don't think law courts. Judges were leaders chosen by God from amongst the people. And we read how the spirit of the Lord comes upon these judges to help the people rise up and defeat the enemy. And peace is restored in the land. But it's only temporary because then they disobey again and the whole cycle starts over. And actually in the book, we read that this happens 11 times. There are 11 judges, actually 12, if you also include Shamgar, who was a non-Israelite. And throughout this series, we're gonna be looking at what does godly leadership look like at difficult times and how can we lead well? So today we're going to start with perhaps the most complex character and the last judge mentioned in the book, the person of Samson. Uh, Samson in many ways, it's a story of unfulfilled potential. Yet encouragingly for us, God still uses this man. And the context is about 3,000 years ago, the Philistines had invaded and they've conquered uh, the Israelites. And over four chapters, this amazing story unfolds. And it begins in Judges chapter 13. I'm gonna read the first five verses to you now. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. There's that phrase. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was sterile and remained childless. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are sterile and childless, but you are going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or, or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean because you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head because the boy is to be a Nazarite, set apart to God from birth, and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Then she gives birth, and in verse 24, we read, the woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtal. So the Israelites, they, they'd sort of resigned themselves to living under the occupation of the Philistines. So God chooses Samson and begins to stir him up to push against the Philistines. Actually, his family come from Zorah. Uh, that means hornet in Hebrew. He was meant to be like a hornet that stung and drove out the Philistines. But we 
read that he lived between Zorah and Eshtaol. Eshtaol means to question. And by the end of the story, after 20 years of being a judge, we're left questioning, well, what did Samson really achieve? And the story then continues. As a young man, he sees a Philistine woman and he says to his parents, go and get her for me to marry her as my wife. They say, oh, look, are you sure she's a Philistine? Why not marry a nice Israelite girl? But he says, no, get her for me. And uh, they go and negotiate with her parents. Meanwhile, he's walking through a vineyard one day and a lion jumps out to eat him. But the spirit of God comes on him in power and with his bare hands, Samson kills the lion. A little bit later on, when he's walking past the dead lion, the carcass, he sees that bees are inside it and they've made some honey and he takes some of the honey and he eats it. This is important, why? Well, at his wedding feast to the Philistine woman, he foolishly makes a bet with 30 Philistine guys. He says to them, look, I'm gonna tell you a riddle. You've got seven days to solve it. Uh, if you do, I'll give you 30 sets of clothes, but if you can't solve it, you have to give me 30 sets of clothes. And his riddle is this. Out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. Now he's referring, of course, to that dead lion with the honey in it, but he not told anybody about this. So he thinks, I'm gonna win. Now what happens is the 30 Philistines go to his new wife and say, look, get your husband to tell you the answer and then you tell us and we win the bet. So she begins to nag him for a whole week. And eventually on the last day, the seventh day, Samson caves in, he can't stand it any longer. So he tells her, she goes and tells the 30 guys and they come to Samson with their answer. They say this, uh, what is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? Samson is furious. So uh, he goes off uh, in a huff and he does something foolish. He kills 30 other Philistines, steals their clothes and goes and pays it to the 30 guys he'd made the bet with. And he storms off. They think he's gone for good. So unfortunately they take his wife and they give her to another man. Samson finds out, he goes crazy. He goes into the Philistine fields, sets it alight, and he burns all of their grain. And then this begins, this horrible eye for an eye, chain reaction of violence. They kill his poor wife, and then every time they come to try and kill Samson, we read this, that the spirit of the Lord comes upon Samson in power to give him supernatural strength and he always defeats the Philistines. Well, this takes us then to the final chapter of the story. Judges chapter 16 and in verse four and five, we read this. Sometime later, he, that's Samson, fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. Three times Delilah goes to Samson 
and begs him to tell her the secret of his strength. And three times he lies. First he says, oh yeah, just tie me up with leather thongs and I'll be as weak as the next man. When he's asleep, she does that. She calls the Philistines, but he just breaks free. He then does the same as saying it's new ropes. He breaks it. He even says, oh, I'll put my braided hair in your weaving loom and I'll be weak. She does that whilst he's asleep. How he doesn't wake up, I have no idea. But again, when the Philistines are about to come in, he just breaks free. She then says, look, if you really loved me, you wouldn't lie. And she keeps nagging. And eventually on the fourth time, again, he caves in and he tells her the secret of his strength. He says, it's because I've never cut my hair. I'm a Nazarite. And sure enough, when he falls asleep, she shaves his head, calls in the Philistines. And because now his strength and the spirit of God has left him, the Philistines come and they capture him. The story then gets a bit gory. They gouge out his eyes and they take him to the city of Gaza and get him grinding grain. Then they take him to their temple of their god Dagon. And all of the Philistine leaders amass in the temple, about 3,000 of them. And they bring out Samson to perform and to amuse them. And we read this finally in verse 28 of that chapter. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. And what he does is he, he puts his hands outstretched like this, one on each of the two central pillars of the temple. And verse 30 says this, then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus, he killed many more when he died than while he lived. What a remarkable story. Samson is a paradox. He's physically impressive. Think of the body of our worship leader, Leon, with the hair of our vlogger, Stephen. He's a man of great strength and yet a man of great weakness too. He's raised up to deliver Israel from her troubles. And yet most of his energy is devoted to his own troubles from which God has to consistently deliver him. Samson ravages the Philistines' grain, yet later he's made to grind grain in the house of Dagon, the Philistine god of grain. Samson loves to play games with his enemies, hence all of his riddles, yet he ultimately becomes a source of amusement, a game for the Philistines in their temple. He was a leader with so much strength, so much potential, and yet with so many flaws. What can we learn from this story about leadership? Four crucial lessons. Number one, and please hear this, it's sometimes the hardest to take in, but know that you are chosen to lead. The angel announces to Samson's mother that the boy is to be a Nazarite, set apart to God from birth, and he will begin to deliver Israel. Now, being a Nazarite is first mentioned in Numbers chapter six in the Old Testament. It comes from the word Nazir, which means to be set apart. And it's when somebody took holy vows for a purpose. 
And it meant that they were never to drink or eat anything fermented or from vines. They couldn't touch anything that was dead and they were not to cut their hair. Now you could take Nazarite vows for life like Samson and most probably like John the Baptist did, or you could take temporary Nazarite vows for a set time and purpose, like St. Paul probably did in Acts 18 and Acts chapter 21. But as Christians, we are now chosen and set apart to lead and be a blessing in the world around us in Jesus' name. Peter writes to the early church and in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, he says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. The name Samson means bright sun. And Peter explains that we're called to declare the praises of him, Jesus, who called us out of darkness into his kingdom of light. Jesus is described as the bright morning sun. He said, I am the light of the world. But then he said to his followers, and that includes you, he says, you are now the light of the world. Why? Because by his Holy Spirit dwelling in you, his light shines in you and through you to bring light to a dark world. Uh, earlier this year, before lockdown, uh, a man called Fabian, who lives in Sri Lanka, went to church. He was not normally a churchgoer, but he'd been invited along. And at the end of the service, someone prayed for him. You see, ever since being a small child, Fabian had been blind in one eye. But when he was prayed for in the name of Jesus, God healed him and restored completely the sight in his eye. Now, of course, he immediately became a Christian. And of course, his wife and his daughter now started coming to church with him too. But Fabian didn't know anything about this new Christian faith. So he went on an alpha course that that church in Sri Lanka was running. And at the end of it, he was like, Lord, why did you do this for me? What do you want me to do? And as he prayed, he had this idea, hey, why don't I run an alpha in my home for my family and friends? So the church helped him do it and he invited all of his family and friends and 38 people came. All 38 of them came to faith in Jesus on that alpha. And as the restrictions hopefully lift, they're gonna get baptized this December. What an amazing story, but please know this, just like Fabian, you are chosen to make a difference in this world and shine like the bright sun for the sun, Jesus. Know that you're chosen. Second leadership lesson is this. Your character is more important than your capability. Your talent may get you to the top, but only your character can keep you there and help you fulfill your potential. Now, it's good to know your strengths. What, what were Samson's strengths? Well, he had supreme strength, which came from God when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And throughout the Old Testament, we see that the Spirit was poured out on particular people at particular times for particular purposes. But now, today, we live in the age of the Spirit after Pentecost, so that every person who puts their faith in Jesus, who chooses to follow him, is filled with that same power with the Spirit. But 
just because God gifts us with a particular strength, it means that we still need to use that ability wisely. Think about it. Samson uses his God-given strength to kill 30 Philistines, to steal their clothes, to pay off a foolish debt he'd made at his wedding feast. I mean, that's hardly the actions of a godly leader. He's sort of abusing the anointing that's on him. So let us ask ourselves this challenging question. Are we using our gifts wisely? And the Spirit not only brings power, but he also grows fruit in us. He develops our character. And let's look at Samson's character. I mean, if we've got to say something positive, we could say, well, he certainly had big faith. Actually, Hebrews 11.32 lists Samson as a hero of the faith. He believed that God would use him to do extraordinary things. But he ends up relying on that for relying on God to get him out of trouble he constantly gets himself into. He becomes complacent. He almost believes that he's untouchable. So as leaders, as disciples, followers of Jesus, we must not become complacent. Therefore, it's good to be aware of our weaknesses as well as our strengths. And Samson's weaknesses were primarily in the area of his character. The story of Samson sadly sort of mirrors that of the fall. He looks with desire upon things and he takes that which he shouldn't and later eats that which he shouldn't. So he sees a Philistine woman, desires her and asks that she should become his wife. Although the Lord had clearly said to the Israelites, don't marry the foreign women in the land. His parents tried to dissuade him and he overrules them, ignoring the commandment to honor your father and mother. He sees honey inside the dead lion and with his hand takes it out and eats it. But as a Nazarite, he was not meant to touch anything dead. And what's more, we're told this lion is in a vineyard. What's he doing in a vineyard? He's not meant to go anywhere near that. And later on in, a, in another battle against the Philistines, he picks up the jawbone of a dead donkey. Again, he's not meant to touch that. And Samson's life, ultimately, it's sort of like a, a, a sad prophetic warning of what Israel would do in her sin, their harlotry, and then being carried off to a foreign land, which was Babylon eventually, with their leader having his eyes gouged out and the temple being destroyed. So how do we invest in our character? Well, firstly, read God's word. There's actually a hidden message in the answer to Samson's riddle. What is stronger than a lion? Answer, Samson, he, he killed the lion. What is sweeter than honey? Well, Psalms 19 and 119 tell us that God's word is sweeter than honey. So the real question in the riddle is this, would Samson submit his strength in obedience to God's word? He doesn't. But the story poses the same question to you and me. Will we submit our capability, our leadership in obedience to God's word? Let us read and meditate on the Bible. I recommend the Bible in one year. 
The second thing we can do to invest in our character is pray, come Holy Spirit, every day. Ask God to grow the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Christ in you. Thirdly, ask others to keep you accountable. What we see in the life of Samson is he's sort of a lone ranger of a leader. He doesn't have any team. He doesn't have any sidemen. And he, you know, he doesn't raise up anybody. Even when his parents try to speak into his life, he won't listen to them. But let other people speak into your life. Those that you know and can trust who are godly, ask them to speak into your life and keep you accountable, especially in the area of your character. And fourthly, guard what you look at. Samson follows his eyes way too much. And when he looks upon things, it unleashes passions within him. And ironically, he ends up with his eyes being gouged out. Jesus said, didn't he? If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Now, Jesus did not mean this literally, but what he was saying was take drastic action. Flee from that which you know is an area of weakness in your life. Flee from that which might cause you to sin and compromise your character. So know that you're chosen, and focus on your character. The third lesson we learn is this, learn from your mistakes. Last week, uh, I read in the news how a, Ger a German post office had to be evacuated. 12 workers were treated for nausea and uh, further six were eventually hospitalized uh, because of a suspected gas leak in the post office. But upon further investigation, they found out it was not a gas leak. Somebody had simply posted a package of durians. The Germans have now learnt from that mistake and they've banned all posting of durians. But sadly, Samson did not learn from his mistakes. He had an eye for the ladies and taste in the wrong sort of women. First, a Philistine wife and then Delilah, and he ends up getting tied up in all sorts of knots, both metaphorically and literally. In fact, becoming bound up, tied up, is a theme that runs throughout the whole story. <clears throat> the Hebrew word uh, used for the riddle that Samson gives actually means to tie up, and the name Delilah means entangled. And what's more, she's from Sorek, a valley full of vineyards, forbidden for a Nazarite like Samson. And, you know, Samson should have been bound by his Nazarite vows, but instead he's bound and entangled by his passions, by leather thongs, ropes, even the loom in Delilah's place. In the New Testament, Hebrews 12, verse 1, we're told to throw off everything that hinders, and the sin that so easily entangles. If you feel limited in your leadership because you're, you're entangled or you're, you're bound by something unsavory in your life, then today, ask the Spirit of God to break the bindings, to set you free just as the Spirit enabled Samson to break free from that 
which tied him up. And let us learn from our mistakes or else we're destined to repeat them just as Samson did. The fourth and final lesson is this, persevere and finish well. Although Samson followed his eyes too much, it's only when he eventually loses his eyes that he finally begins to see. He sees how weak he is and how much he needs God. Conversely, it's once the Philistines get his eyes that they become blind to the fact that Samson's hair is beginning to regrow. The Spirit of God is coming back upon him to give him strength to finish the job. And in the end, ultimately, Samson is like a, a flawed foreshadow of the ultimate deliverer, the perfect judge who was to come, Jesus himself. And throughout the story, there are so many parallels between Jesus and Samson, to name just a few. Both are born miraculously, with angels announcing their births to their mothers. Both came to deliver their people. Both had the Holy Spirit come upon them. Both spoke in riddles or parables. Both had people who played games to get clothes off them. Both were betrayed by a loved one for silver. And ultimately, both sacrificed themselves with their arms outstretched, destroying the temple to defeat the enemy, whether that's the enemy of the Philistines or in Jesus' case, the enemy of death itself. But there is a difference. You see, Samson died to take people's lives. Jesus died to save our life. And look at the final prayer of both Samson and Jesus. There's also a difference. You see, when Samson prays that final prayer, he's motivated not by love, but revenge. Pushing against the pillars of the Philistine temple, he prays for strength to bring revenge against them for taking his eyes. But the gospels tell us that on the cross, when Jesus prayed his final prayer, he prays, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. He persevered in love. And his loving sacrifice brings peace on earth once and for all. He is the eternal prince of peace. Unlike in the book of Judges, we don't need to go through the cycle again and again. Jesus said the two greatest commandments are these, love God and love your neighbor. And St. Paul says to the Corinthians, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Let us as leaders persevere in love. You know, when the rest of Israel had given up, just resigned themselves to being occupied by the Philistines, Samson did not give up. He persevered. He kept fighting. In fact, throughout the book of Judges, he's the only person who's referred to by the adversaries of Israel as their enemy. He kept going. So may we have Samson's faith and may we have his fight, but without his flaws. And may we overflow with the love of Christ by his spirit. Thank you.